0: All right. And I'm joined today with Warren Wolf, uh bass player, vibes player, pianist, drummer, Olympic weightlifter, man. Like, where does it where does it stop for you? You know, how do you keep doing all these things?
1: Got to stay motivated. I'm just ah. I'm just moving. i got to continue to move. I can't can't stay uh, in one place. <laughs> yeah,
0: man. I, I remember. I think it was Jalen Baker. We went to uh, to college together and whatnot. And he was like, man, you know, Warren's killing. And I was like, yeah, I know he is. And he's like, but have you heard him play drums? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, like, and some cats have played drums. He's like, no, no, no. Have you heard
1: him play drums? Yeah. yeah.
0: And have you heard him play piano? And now you, you, you taking cats gigs on bass and whatnot, man.
1: <laughs> man I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I, mean, honest, I mean, I've been playing bass since um, high school, my senior year of high school, which was a uh, 1992. Uh, Sixth, going into nineteen ninety-seven, um, but I've never like played it consistently, right? So, but I I know the instrument, but I just need to play it. So I've recently told you know some 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 folks around Baltimore who who I would really never play with, though we're all cool. I told them I was like, listen, if you got some bass gigs, I don't care how sad they are, I'll do it. You know, because I just you know I just want to keep playing to get get better at it.
0: Yeah, man, I feel is how how is it to kind of like be back where you grew up? Because you're from Baltimore. Yeah. And now you're you're teaching there, you know, like you went through that Peabody like youth program and mm-hmm. now you're teaching the youth. I mean, I'll be at a little bit older youth, but back yeah. at Peabody, you know,
1: That's no, cool. I mean, I've been back in Baltimore since uh, 2004 because I, I left when I went to college. And then once I graduated college, I stayed in Boston for a little bit. Um, so I was in Boston for seven years. Yeah. Um, it's cool. It's, I mean, it's, it's home for me. Yeah. I mean, love and, love and hate relationship. You know, it's a lot of stuff that goes on in the city, but at the same time, I just, I love the city. I love like, uh, the location, good location for, for musicians like Baltimore, DC, we call it the DMV, That's right? DC, Colorado, Virginia stack with musicians, man, between Baltimore and DC and then all the military, uh, guys, you know, um, and then if I, you know, for traveling purposes, airport goes everywhere. If I need to get to Philly, I can get there, DC again. If I want to get to New York, I can drive there, which is, what, four hours, or hop on the train for two, two and a half hours. Wow. Um, And, you know, Boston is not too far away as well. That's about an eight eight hour drive, even though I'm not doing that drive ever again. (laughs) Unless I need to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, No, it's cool, man. It's it's cool to be here and just hang with the students at at Peabody. you know, that's one thing I just realized, you know, with, with education, you meet so many players, like younger players who actually sound really good and those players need a chance in music today. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like I, I feel like as educators, you know, we, as the faculty, we're listening to these students, like, right? And we're, you know, we start talking we're like, man, watch out for this person. Watch out for this person. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I know that you're
0: very, uh, vocal figure in support of that, you know, like giving the young cats chance or, and, or calling out the young cats when they're not mm-hmm. uh, uh, approaching it. In, in, um I don't know, a logical sense, you know, like some, some guys come out of high school and they're like, Hey man, I, where's my gig at blue note? You know? Yeah. yeah.
1: No, cause I mean, I know I do realize, you know, the way people are taught and the way people are brought up, how that stuff is, it, it, it changes every few years or so. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I can't say it's an old school approach to it, but I just really believe in people learning or coming up under somebody. Yeah. It I'm not necessarily saying you have to be on the same stage with them, but you know, just have some type of mentorship. You know, a lot of young musicians come out and they just automatically want, like you said, they just want to be stars. They just, you know, and I, I wasn't like that. I wanted to gain experience by playing with people. Um, you know, the, the, I think the reason I work a lot, being a vibraphone is, you know, I, I never lived in New York City. So I toured with all of these musicians uh, before I actually started the whole leader thing because I'm not saying it's not possible, but a lot of promoters, they're going to look at you like, who are you? Right. You know, the promoters, all they care about, I mean, not saying they don't care about the music, but for the most part, all they care about is their main job is to put, put butts in the seats. Right, right. If you can't do that, <laughs> why should they give you a chance? Right now, as an artist, we're thinking. You know, so, some of us are probably thinking like, hey, you know, people are gonna like my music anyway. But I'm just like, yo, then the promotion come back. I need something to work with in order to sell it. So that's 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 where the thing is. You know, for me, I, I went out and tour with a lot of people, the same circuit, over and over for years, and came eventually came out with records, and people was like, wow, this this guy is amazing. You know, he can say, he can he sounds good and that's when you know people start to give you a chance right Uh, a lot of younger artists especially today i mean it started years ago with with, a myspace but you know now now that social media is like a a, you know big boom you know you don't necessarily have to go about it that route you know I, i hear a lot of younger people talking about it's all depending on how many instagram uh people you have following you yeah 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 that stuff goes a long way I realized that it's like the more and more you're on social media like I remember one time I was in LA and I was hanging out at some uh some event it was it was something with Elvis Robert one of Robert Glass's concerts because me and him are good friends but we, I was hanging out at his concert and so after the show was over I was tired you know I was worn out it was like a almost a three-hour show Robert was like, "So, weren't you hanging?" I was like, "Nah, I'm going back to the hotel." He was like, "Come on, man, hang. You need (laughs) like get your Instagram numbers up. (laughs) They're really not deep." So, you know, but you know, if he can build a following nowadays, and then once the promoter sees that, you know, I'm assuming that's how it works. I don't really know because I sure I don't really go about that route anymore. Yeah. Seems like it.
0: Well, I mean, you say that too, but you kind of, you know, took on a lot of those projects with the pandemic and whatnot, doing like the duo videos and everything going out.
1: Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't like in order to to gain followers. Yeah, yeah. That was just, honestly just to be one hundred percent with you. That was just really like a combination. Me wanting to learn how to work on logic skills and engineering producing, and half of that, the other half was that honestly because I was bored. <laughs> yeah. seriously I mean somebody um I, I I'm trying to remember how I even started to do it I think I was just starting to create like little songs on Instagram I was because I I know what it was so when the first lock when the lockdown came in March of last year I, I was you know I thought this whole thing was gonna blow over in two weeks
2: right right
1: so I'm practicing I think I was I went on YouTube and I pulled up like um I remember April Classic jazz standard. Sure. And I was like, this shit sounds terrible. <laughs> I was like, I don't like these backing tracks on here. I as as much as I think our real book is great, yeah is a great tool. I was like, the backing tracks on there completely suck too. Right. And so I like, you know, I have some equipment here that I I purchased because a few people were calling me for sessions. So I was like, well, I, I have logic in this computer that I've had for two years and I've never used it not one time no garage band anything so I said well let me just see what happens so I I recorded uh this chick career piece Humpty Dumpty Mm -hmm. but no no drums I just did um because I wasn't sure how that worked yet like the whole setup with with mics and all that so I just did the uh, keyboards and bass so I sent it to my buddy Walter Smith right and I was like, bro, why don't you play over this? I was like, just, just for fun. I didn't plan on posting this or anything. Nobody's ever heard this. But I said, I just want to trade back and forth with you. And it, it, it sounded cool. I did it again with Joe Locke on a tune. So this time, after that, you know, after the Joe Locke, I was like, well, let me just see what happened if I add drums. And it just kept going from there. I was like, well, I wonder what happened if I do this. What happened if I press this button? Let me have, you know. So I started calling people like a good friend of mine, Arnetta Johnson, trumpet player.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, plays with Beyonce. One, she's a jazz trumpeter, hope, where She plays with Beyonce and all these other folks. I called her and and trumpeter Darren Barrett because they know all about the audio stuff and they they helped me out greatly. So Walter was the, again. I called him when I when I really started doing these quote unquote side by side videos, and um, Walter was the first one, and I just kept going and going and going, and like I said. lot some of it was boredom a lot of it was just trying to work on the skills but then because i really love to play for people and i love i know what music can do and i saw what this pandemic was doing to people how people was getting sad and they couldn't go out no more nobody could hear music you know i started to think i was like let me just have these little collaboration videos and just put them online so people can have something to be like wow that's pretty cool so my first thing was to do i was like i'm gonna do one video per week but then I was, even though I had all the material in my hard drives, I was getting bored or just like, damn, I, I can't, I can't uh, keep waiting, even myself. Yeah. So I was like, well, fucking, let me just go ahead and put it out every single day at twelve o'clock p.m. Right. So after I think I think I did twenty five people because a lot of people just start inboxing me. Yo, let me do one with you. Let me do one with you. Let me do one. And nobody's doing this for money. They just wanted to play. Right, right. Play for real. So I was like, cool, let's do it. But I, I stopped doing them mainly because um, all of this, the creating, the music creations was eating up my RAM. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I got the hard jobs. Eventually I'm, I mentioned I'm going to do it again, but it's just a, that was a lot of work because I have to, I got to pass the track to this person then I got to, I got to bug them say, hey, man, can you hurry up and get this back to me? I'm trying to do it now. They finally send it back. Um, And then, you know, all of the other stuff that I have to do takes place. So,
0: Man, that's cool. Like, I think there's some cats that are looking back on, you know, this time of COVID or whatnot. And, like, they're grateful, you know, because there's a time to, like, really shed, Mm -hmm. check out new things like that, you know, just learn stuff. And it, it just it forces us all to finally kind of slow down. You yeah. know, like we've been saying we want to forever, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: man. But how, how does it how do you then go back to like seriously juggling all this stuff? Because you're you're teaching at Peabody, like an educator there. You're leading your own stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. You got SF Jazz Collective on top of that. Mm-hmm. You got, I mean, quite literally on opposite sides of the country the majority of the time.
1: Yeah, And I work at school out there. <laughs>
0: man, are you at the uh, San Francisco Conservatory out there? Mm hmm. Okay, so now you're out there teaching with Jason Haynesworth and whatnot.
1: Yep, and Joshua like, <laughs> how? <laughs> where,
0: where do you sleep? Where do you find like the hours in the day to do all of it? You know, how do you, you know, balance I, it?
1: A lot of my students, they, I kind of laugh at them when they tell me like we're, we're in school, in, in either school, or just student, a, student, a student in general. And they'll be like, Mr. Wolf, I don't have time. I'm just looking at them like, do you know what I do? <laughs> like do you know that so i'm i'm a father of five right right but um I'm, I'm, you know we're keeping it real podcast um i'm divorced from my first wife i had three <laughs> kids three kids with my first wife but they, they live in boston so i got remarried and i have at home right now with my my wife we have a seven and a five-year-old boy and a girl
2: mm-hmm
1: so especially now just concentrate all on this pandemic stuff my son is home during school my daughter goes Hmm. so sometimes my mother-in-law his grandmother will come over and do school with him other times it will be me right um but it's all about keeping that schedule so that's a big especially this year it's taking up a big part of the day because if he was in school, you know that leaves me plenty of time to just really like I really. I mean, if 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 people thought what I was doing now is a lot, they would see nothing. You know, if he was in school, right. So my schedule pretty much starts every day at 6:30 a.m. I wake up. Um, takes me about 15 minutes to get out the bed, <laughs> but uh, I get up, and from there is from from at least seven o'clock until. Eight. I'm dealing with both kids. My wife come home, comes home. She does my daughter's hair because I can't do hair. But uh, <laughs> I mean, all the stuff is important. It's important to note, you know, because I, you know, I get them ready. Uh, my both of my kids. They love pancakes, so I make them pancakes every morning. I have to get, make make get the lunch ready um, for my daughter when she goes to school. When she's out the house, some I'll, I'll go sit with my son because his school starts at eight o'clock. There have been times when I've had projects that were due. And he's at that point, he's seven years old, where I can just leave him upstairs by himself. I'll go down in the basement and I'll finish some things. I'll have right. the door open. I'm listening, but you know, I'm creating that way. Other right. times, say say if my mother-in-law comes over pretty early. Now that gives me time to go and hit the gym. You know, health is very important for musicians. A lot of musicians don't, you know, they're all about shedding and practicing all that. They they don't think about the, the other shit. It's like, man, we gotta be here and be healthy for the stuff right. but when I'm at the gym not only am I, am I working out and making sure I'm healthy I'm actually taking care of business at the same time so you'd be surprised whether at least what I like to do walking on the treadmill or uh doing say like the uh Stairmaster or something like that for 60 minutes or walking on the treadmill for 60 minutes I'm checking emails yeah I'm responding to emails so I'm knocking two birds out with one stone because I don't want to come home and then like damn i got to do all this again for another you know i could have did it already so i'll do that there um still got to find time to be a husband try to play with my kids when that's over you know let's see wife come home around 4 35 o'clock help the kids with the homework by the time the kids in the bed and they eat dinner pretty much my time to actually like really dive in and start creating music this could pretty pretty much be from like eight o'clock until one in the morning Hmm. Then do it over again the next day. Right. If I'm traveling, a um, lot more freer, you know, free times. Like for instance, this week I'm going out to Orlando, so I'm actually going down a day early. So I don't really have anything planned for that day early. Yeah. Except, or just probably study the music what I'm for what I'm doing. Um, but um, I just just kind of make it happen, man. It's amazing how things you just they just kind of fall in place. You just know what your schedule is going to be, you know. Um, teaching wise, um, I mean, you know, my mother-in-law is a big help for all of this stuff, man. When she's helping my son with school, I will, I'll go down to the school. I spend lots of time with all of the students. I, I even give them outside time, which I'm not even obligated to do. I'll say, I've right. realized you need help. Let me help you because I don't want to just be that teacher who just, you know, my teacher in college, Dave Samuels was not like that. We did our lessons. Sure. But he was like, if you need help, call me. And, right. you know, I try to tell my students that to call me, let's talk, you know, it's not everything is up here just about notes and scales and chords, you know, you guys, if you really want to do this music thing for life, I was like, there's a lot of things that you need to know. And I try to be honest with them tell them every single thing that what to expect. Um, yeah, so that's, that's how I break it down, you know, man.
0: And then, well, when you're checking out these students, you know, because you're working with guys, I'm assuming that most the age between like 18, 22, you know, mm-hmm. so they're still young. Yep. Um, what do you think that they're really missing? Because I had this conversation with someone a while back that almost now like having YouTube, having Spotify, having like so many things at your fingertips mm-hmm. almost uh, like dilutes what's everybody's ability to like dive into something really deep because mm-hmm. they're just always changing. They're going to one thing, you know, from Lee Morgan, the Freddie Hubbard, to Louis Armstrong, the Sidney Bechet, like it's just all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So how do you think that like you working with these students, what are you seeing trends wise and, and what do you think needs to change so that they're really doing it better?
1: I don't I don't I don't know about the change part. What I'm trying to do with my students, I don't number one, even though we're in the jazz program, I don't teach my students to be like the next young jazz star. Right. If they want that, cool. I'm I'm all about teaching my students just music in general. Because I realize that this world is not I mean, you're, you're in jazz school, so I'm going to teach you certain principles about how to use jazz in any style of music that you decide to choose. So I have a, for instance, I have a couple of drum students. I don't go in there and teach them like, Hey, check out what Philly Joe did. Right. You know, from the beginning and all the way, you know, all the way up to Eric Harlan and Brian Blake, I don't go that route. You know, I've just tried to teach them whether they're strengths, what do you want to work on, you know, and just play. You know that's i mean i'm just i can only leave by example um my father he did the same thing with me he didn't start like with lionel hampton and stuff like that my dad just said he had me playing as much as i possibly can and he had me playing with all the people who were going to kick out butts and mm-hmm. I, I tried to do that with my students i'm like you guys the only way you guys are going to grow is to play around with people like me and the other folks who are just we just have to you just have to learn and, and open your ears you know, um, far as what needs to change to, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't speak for everybody. I just know what I do, what, I, what works for me. So
0: how do you think the industry is going to change now? Because now we've, we're getting in, hopefully, you know, past this period where no matter if you were Christian McBride or some guy in Idaho, just starting to play no gigs,
2: mm-hmm. you know, it's
0: all shut down. Yeah. Um, you know, now we're seeing some people tra- starting to do much, much more virtual things and, and seeing that market come alive, I guess, more in, in jazz. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like it's going to be, there's going to be a time where it's going to be tough for, for the younger musicians, you know, because everyone's now going for the same gigs and going back to what you were talking about earlier with like promoters. Yeah. Well, who's th- going to get a cat in a seat more than, you know, a
1: big name? Exactly. And I was I actually had this conversation while I put this post on Facebook a few days ago. You know, it, it really worries me because, like say like for instance the, the uh moderate jazz festival you got the main stage and then you have a couple other small size stages but they're still packed and right. then every now and then a festival like that and others they will call like this up and coming young emerging star who um what was like we'll put you in a little coffee house over there you know we'll it'll seat like 30 people now right now with everything closed down you know, I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, will those younger artists still get a chance now? Because a lot of these festivals, not saying that they are, I don't know. But a lot of these festivals are saying, well, we're crying Brooke, We don't have a lot of this and we don't have a lot of money. Or if it, if they do have money, they just more like and I get it. They were like, we need to uh, be safe and and, and, pack, and you know, slice half of the bands like that happened for the uh, Newport Jazz Festival this year. You know, half of the bands got sliced because they, they just need to do something a little bit smaller um I don't know what's going to happen with that but again I think it ties back to what I said I think if a lot of people uh just always always looking for younger talent you know different people to to play with you know I've always tried to um give like friends of mine chances sure like just I remember my very first record on Mac Avenue I got my buddy Tim Green wonderful alto player that was his first first time recording like on a major jazz project label
0: and you guys Um, are teaching together now too aren't you
1: yep yep. yeah uh another record of mine i had just got billy williams chris fun um you know um my (laughs) my vocalist currently monty grace cooper i I love giving people a chance you know because there's so much talent out here versus everybody just using the same old people you know what i mean um I was looking at the lineup for this year's Saratoga Jazz Festival, which is happening in June. I love the I love these people who I'm about to name. I love them dearly. And this is no shade to them because I'm happy that they're working. You know, I'm happy that whoever's going to get a gig is working. But this is just what I'm saying this for a reason because of what we're talking about. I looked at the lineup. Diane Reeves, Christian McBride, Joey Alexander. Right. Great artists. They're wonderful. All of them, they're just complete badasses. But I'm just like okay that's it right you know where, where's somebody else so the thing that i posted on my post you know i, I know this can't I mean, i'm not gonna say anything cannot happen but I'm, I'm hoping one day it can and i i know it, i've seen it that happen a few times is that I, I think a lot of jazz shows should have like the uh the headlining artist and then somebody to open up for them yeah you know what I mean? Somebody yeah. said on my post, they were like, "Yeah, that could work," but then that's going to be a hell of a time just to, to uh for the stage people to uh move instruments around and all this. I'm like, "So what? <laughs> that's what they're that's what they're paid to do." <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah, but at the end of the day, like, how's that any different than setting up? Uh, you know, when we had recitals in college or something, you got bands back to back. It's like, okay, right. the piano stays there, the drums, you know, switch out symbols. Like, it's yeah. not that big of a deal.
1: Pretty much. That's why they have like. We're going to do this intermission, but for, for <laughs>
0: right, go get a drink. Come well,
1: back. Yeah. And come back. You know, they do it all the time. You know, I think I think that would be awesome because not saying a lot of people would come. But it, I mean, it just happens all the time. You go to a comedy show. If you like for instance, I, me and my wife, we love to go see Kevin Hart. Yeah. The show is advertised to start at seven. Kevin Hart doesn't come on to like ten. <laughs> right, right, right. Not saying it has to be like that extreme in jazz, but, you know, we could easily say Okay, the whole night is going to be from seven thirty to ten thirty, and the opening act can get forty-five minutes. Yeah, and then let's take that forty-minute break, and and it, it's probably not even. It doesn't have to be as long as the opening act doesn't. I mean, understands this, it doesn't. They, they just they have to know that they won't get like thousands of dollars. Yeah, nobody does that. You know, nobody. No, the open act doesn't get like a big payout like the main artist.
0: No, no, no.
1: Years ago, man, when I was in college, I remember I went to go see uh, Usher, one of my good friends. His name is Johnny Nahara. They called him Natural. He's the guitar player for um, for Usher. Also, the drummer at the time uh, was Aaron Spear. Anyway, they're at the uh, TD Bank North. It was called Boston Garden or whatever. It was Fleet Center at the time. And the opening act for them was a very young Kanye West and John Legend. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they got... They got 30 to 40 minutes and I was listening. I was like, damn, these dudes, I mean, I, I, mean, I would have my eye on John legend. I was like, he could sing, play, play piano. You know, it was just them two, a keyboard and, and, you know, him rapping. I think the same thing would be cool. You know, if, if that were to happen, you know, we have some very strong players at Peabody, you know, uh, we like out good. We have like two in particular, two uh, guitar players. These dudes are killing. I would love for them to just come and play and people just listen to them. And then listen to us. Right. You know. But that's just my two cents on it. I wish that could happen. So I, I don't see why it cannot happen.
0: Man, I, I feel that. And I think that we, um, I was talking with Nick Finzer about this and whatnot, about you kind of see it in, in the, uh, like the record label industry too, because with like how easily music has come to fruition, mm-hmm. everyone's able to put stuff out there. And so people get lost all the time, yeah. you know? And so I guess the question then for you is, do you think, with that and, and the growing number of like programs and, and cats coming into programs and whatnot um, that we're almost like making the, the quality of music lower among musicians when we're adding more people to it and like that, because now anybody can release a track on CD baby, you know, while that's amazing, you know, there's no real um, there, there's no one checking it off and being like, okay, you know, this is cool enough to go out and, and present to cats, or this is not cool enough yet to present to cats.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And seeing the same thing when then you look at like, like no dog to any of these schools, but you know, I think of UNT and it's like they got trumpet studios, of like 50, 60 people, mm-hmm. you know, and you think about all these other schools and 20, 40 students. Like, we know that there's not going to be that many jobs in like jazz or whatever they might want to do. They could still be playing trumpet and making a living freelancing or whatnot. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: But do you think that then we're doing, like our, our, our possible audience a disfavor. because they're not they, – they don't know necessarily where, like, where the bar can be or what, a, like, a killing show could be, you know, seeing Kenny Garrett yeah. versus seeing just another guy.
1: I don't know. I mean, again, I think that's the whole promoter's thing. I mean, a lot of us can come down to money, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's like, why would I spend X amount of dollars on Kenny Garrett when I can go get this kid for – two thousand bucks right (laughs) so i have no idea no idea yeah Yeah.
0: man so when you're not doing music then you know how do you how do you escape from it all i know you said fitness is a big part of your life you know but i don't i i don't know i guess i would say this most people i think need an escape from music but it seems like your escape from vibes is bass you know or your escape
1: from bass is piano but but you know my I don't practice all day. I mean, tomorrow, <laughs> I haven't serious. I'm 40. I turned 42 this year. Yeah. Outside of, I think it was back in, uh, February. Well, no, I'm sorry. March and April, March. I had, they had, I had this concert that was coming up with the, with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. And I decided to use just the string quartet from the Baltimore Symphony. And I decided to play this piece that, um, Gary Burton actually told me about um, I gave him a call because I was trying to I, I was having a hard time trying to find music for a string quartet. And um, he told me about this record that he recorded with Chick career in like 1982 called the Lyric Suite for sextet.
2: Hmm.
1: It, it's just uh, again okay, string quartet two two violins a viola cello and piano and vibes. When I listened to it, I mean, when he told me, I was like, "Cool," you know. I thought it was gonna be more, like, tune and some string parts accompanying us in the solo section. I, I listened to it. I was like, "Wow, this is actually reverse. It's more. It's eighty percent reading, like a lot of classical stuff, with a few sections for blowing." That, in in March of this year, was the most I've ever practiced, probably since I was about twenty.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's been about twenty years because life happens, you know. Like I said, the right. kids came and and. You know from my first wife to to my current wife you know five kids you know it's just it was it was a lot but i mean i'm not saying i don't it's just very little very very little so i spend most of my time uh doing like a a thing that i call mental practicing you know there are many times again when i'm at the gym i'll have on doesn't have to be jazz i'll just have on some music and i can i I have the ability to retain information very quickly so whatever i like i'll just kind of take what i'm hearing and just put it out there right into my own plan so a lot of the times when i'm on stage i'm actually practicing you know i'm just practicing live (laughs) nobody will ever know that i'm always just trying different things yeah Uh, but so my my escape from music like what do i do um honestly it's really just more about family for the most part i just kind of just just don't do it um if it's not just in the gym stuff i picked up a hobby last year I mean, everything is always related to physical stuff for me. Yeah. I picked up a hobby last year, like randomly. I, um, I started hiking. Um, so I was hiking and like just walking. But then one day I, I remember I picked a trail that was a little bit too long. I think it was about seven miles. And I, I was walking. I was like, man, this is taking forever. So let me start running the trail. So then I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I, let me just start running trail. So I started right. doing that. Um, starting, uh. I think, I think I'm going to do it like the first of June. Uh, I'm, going to, um, getting, I'm going to start getting. I'm start with a uh, jujitsu. You know, I'm, I think I'm going to give that a try for about three months. Um,
0: you gonna do gi or no gi jiu-jitsu, or have you decided yet, or?
1: I haven't decided yet. You know, yeah. I mean, I've taken uh, American Kenpo, um, maybe. That had to have been like 10 years ago. So I did like four or five months of, of kempo, But I, I stopped because I was on the road a lot at that time. And yeah, I was kind of falling behind in class because they would be moving on in class. And I'm still like, way back because I was like, wait a minute, I've been gone for three
2: weeks. Right, so right.
1: I so I don't have a, I know it would be cool to some because I don't have but so much going on. Um, so me missing a day here and there. It's not it's not gonna be a big thing. So but yeah, I'm just gonna do it for like three months until uh, school starts back up in September. You know, it seems like a lot of things are going to be opening back up in September. So no yeah,
0: yeah, it's that's cool, though, because it's nice to be able to. I, I don't know. I'm a fan of just constantly learning things, just trying new things and, and seeing what sticks and what doesn't, you know, and it always changes your 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 life in some way or another.
1: Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, same here. But I have a, my personality sometimes is, is if I want to try something else. I mean, I, I don't sometimes I think about that, like, man, you, should, boy, you should try something else. So you have all this time now. But my thing is if i'm gonna try something else i'm gonna go like really hard at it yeah like there was a point in time during this pandemic like i got kind of kind of dark kind of depressed i was like i said when the first happened i was like yeah this will be over in a couple of weeks but yeah. then i was like man this is just continue to go on and i just just you know nobody wasn't sure what was what was happening so again i had some time on my hand i didn't feel like practicing i didn't feel like playing the music so I actually went and applied for a job. Hmm. I went and applied for two jobs, but then my mother, she passed away like five years five years ago. But she always told me all the time, she was like, "Boy, why do you worry so much?" She was like, "You know, you're a great, great guy. You're a great musician. Work will come. You're you're fine. Just just relax." And I had to remember that because the two jobs, and I'll tell you what I applied for. I actually went and applied for Amazon. Yeah, to drive a truck. But I was eventually, it was like they hired me, but I just never went. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing this. Shit. <laughs> and then um, I actually applied to be a uh, uh, state trooper. Okay. But, and I did, I did the physical, killed it. That was easy. But yeah, then, right. same thing. I was just like, this is not me. Let me just put my focus, like, really hard back into the music. Like, how I, not, I shouldn't not say back into it. Let me just keep doing what I do. I'll right. be fine. So, and I've been cool, you know still have these little moments where it's just like, damn, you know, I wish I was going out, you know, a lot more because I'm usually home half of the year. Like I've never been home this much, but the positive of that is that I get to uh, spend more time with my wife and kids.
0: Man, how do you uh, like, what's your advice then for for students when they're first getting out of school, you know, because I think some people um, go into graduate studies, you know, kind of as a safety net because they're just not sure necessarily like that next step. Mm-hmm. but then other cats, you know, and it's not a bad thing. They, they pick up a day job or whatever. They, they fall back into teaching. I know a lot of people say like, that's their fallback is like being a music educator or whatnot. And, and I don't, personally, I don't necessarily think that's right to be a fallback. Yeah. You know, I think like, if you, you got to do it, you got to do it, you know, yeah. but how do you think these people should really be preparing for it? You know, cause I know often the phrase that cats hear is like, well, man, If you take care of the music like the music will take care of you you know but there's more to that as i'm sure you know
1: yeah yeah it's it's weird man um if i have to give it to advice i mean again i mean that social media thing helps out a lot but if you don't have that type of person personality to be on social media and broadcasting your stuff to everybody i think you have to go about the other way like and this is not just a jazz thing i think this is just music in general uh like if you were to go out west and you want to get into you know all the all the stuff that's out west i mean you're gonna to have to eventually hang and just meet people and, and connect same thing if you go to new york you know i mean that's what worked for me uh you just got to meet people yes if you do have to get a job that's what you got to do <laughs> i remember when i was working in Boston when i was living in boston i used to work at cheers you remember that tv show i do <laughs> Where everybody knows your name? Yeah. <laughs> I used to work at Cheers part-time. You know, I was, uh when I was like 20 years old and I was still doing gigs on the side. You know, I was, I was selling re- selling retail. I was uh selling pencils and t-shirts and things like that. And I absolutely hated that job. The only reason I stuck around because there was this cute girl who worked there. <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I used to enjoy talking to her. But, uh, um yeah, I think it's just best just to go out and try to meet people as much as you possibly can. You know, just... Uh, um and kind of develop a a good attitude to 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 people to let them know like who you are you know what I mean yeah I, um, I've always believed like some you ever, you ever see people like who who said this Charlie Murphy <laughs> it's funny I was watching the Chappelle show he was talking about Rick James he was like when he walked in his aura you could see it he just like it was like you know just like a, a glowing figure yeah and sometimes you see that from certain people who you just walk into the room he's like wow look at that that's that person and you don't want to be cocky about it but you you know i think you just want to be have that attitude but like yes i'm i'm in the room <laughs> you know what i mean but you don't say that yeah you, just, you yeah. know you don't let people know it's like okay i'm the guy i'm in this room because of a lot of stuff that goes hand in hand with knowing harmony and chords and and the right notes and all the other stuff, you know, is your personality. I think if you can have a great personality, as well as being a great musician, that can take you a lot of different ways, you know, and a lot of that can go down to how your overall appearance, it can go down to your choice of clothing that you wear. It can go from uh, the way you talk, the way you are on the microphone and things like that. You know, I pay attention to a lot of detail, like I'm going to go back to Robert Glasper, great player. A lot of people say he can be an asshole, but whatever. I think he's cool. I mean, that's my boy. I've known him for a long time. Yeah. But if you notice other little things, like he's always telling jokes on stage, he's entertaining people. Um, you, look, you look at his appearance. He always dresses like 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 a hip hop dude. He always wears this one hat. I, I don't know. People, people don't talk about this, but I see it. He wears a hat that's like his becoming his trademark. Uh huh. Same thing. You look at uh I'll reverse. It. You look at Pat Metheny, great guitarist. But majority of the time, what do you always see him in? You see him in washed jeans and a white t-shirt. Um, Christian McBride, hell of a bass player, on stage, dude smiling away, playing the hell out the bass. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just creating creating that persona about you. That's what right. I Nicholas Payton. You know, we all know how what he does. <laughs> I only have to explain his story.
0: So <laughs> Well, and they all have that uh it's it's also too how like they they there's like those musicians that have that thing, you know, like that you can't necessarily put your finger on, but you just know when they like come up to it, they like demand that the rest of the band comes up to their level or whatnot. You definitely,
1: know? And definitely. They, and that that goes to the whole music thing. You know, I was doing a session with some cats, Willie Jones and some a few of the guys, and they kept saying to me, they was like, Warren, you play these tunes like you like you own the music, like you wrote it. And, but they kept saying that all day, they were like, yeah, that's that was like, that's a good thing, own the music. So I tell a lot of my students that. I'm just like I, you know, I was like, when you're playing the song, yeah, okay, it's cool that you're playing the changes, but now let's play the song like you really know it, you know, top to bottom. I was like, and I tell them, I'm like, own the tune, take the tune and just own it. Don't worry about all the stuff that we're telling you in here. Like, oh, this is a two five one right here. Play this, you know. I'm just like, yeah, it is a two five one, but what are you going to do with that to really put a punk, you know, you know, exclamation point on that? How do
0: you uh balance that with your students then? You know, balancing like learning things that you think they need to know, you know, like you're prescribed, like, hey, it's it would be good if you checked this person out. It would be good if you checked out this music mm-hmm. versus also balancing like what they personally like and come in. Because I would you know, more times than not, who they want to like is someone a little bit more modern, mm-hmm. someone that's like putting out music now, and that's what they're, you know. It's just what they're hip to. It's what they're checking out and everything. Yeah. But also, you know, making sure you're going back and doing your homework and, and building a stronger foundation.
1: Um, So, all right, I'll give you an example. I have this one student. He's a keyboardist. Um, He's not a private student, but he's just one of my ensembles. Um, he, I re- remember this past semester, he said he wanted to uh, play Actual Proof by Herbie Hancock. Right. I already knew just based off of hearing him play. For the entire year you're not ready for actual proof you're not even ready to play grooving high yet by dizzy gillespie yeah well you might be ready to play that but not definitely actual proof that's just the song that's like why are you just gonna play it because it's cool <laughs> it's a hard <laughs> it's a hard yeah you know what i mean and the and the thing about it if you're listening to what herbie is playing for the most part he's not playing every one of those chords that just is right in front of his face you know he's especially when he plays alive, they, they take it somewhere else. They probably, the only thing you probably might recognize is that. Doo, 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 doo. That's the only thing you might recognize. So and you
0: might not know that till the very end of the tune, but that's what he was doing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I, for, you know, my balance for that, I, you know, I'm listening to this guy, play the song and I'm just like, do you, and I asked him, do you know, really know the chorus of this? Like, mm-hmm. do you really know him? Be honest with me. If you don't know him just say that that's totally fine i'm not marking you for a bad grade so he'll tell me he's like no I, I don't know it so then i'll say okay let's go pick an earlier fusion tune again mm-hmm. i'm not trying to teach these kids how to i mean unless they want it you know we'll go back but I, in this situation i'm like all right let's go back and, and learn a, and check out an early fusion tune that somewhat has like a beat to it so i say instead of playing actual proof let's go listen to uh watermelon man right or um uh, I forget the other tune that Harry heard we made that was popular. I forget the name. It was some, somewhere around there. But I will listen to something like that, and I will be like, I'm like, check out this. Check out how his chords move right here. Now let's take that same thing and put it, we'll actually improve a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll just try to do stuff like that. I'm always going from, not present, but, you know, uh, past present to the past <laughs>
0: yeah i feel that like kind of uh, re- relating through like that lineage almost if you will you know like hey okay so if you like Winton or whomever like who came before Winton, that went was checking like what what goes back a little bit you know because that might be a black codes might be a little too much right now
1: definitely i mean that's again that's how i learned man it's like i didn't grow up in the jazz household I grew up in a music household. You know, my parents listen to Motown and all that stuff. I have two older sisters. They listen to early hip hop. Um, so I, it wasn't like my dad was walking around playing Charlie Parker and stuff like that. You know, the big thing for me, you know, just talking about your statement, I remember when I was in high school, me and all my friends, we were just like, uh, you know, to see jazz and in, in, in color instead of a black and white video, hmm. that time for us was, was the GRP All-Star Big Band. Okay. You know, it had Dave Weckl and John Patitucci. It was like, damn, this, these guys are killing it. Um, and then, and, and Antonio Hart, who's the current chair of jazz at the uh, at Queens College. You know, he grew up in my neighborhood in Baltimore. He used to come over to our house a lot when I was a kid. So when he had his first CD out, it was called "For the First Time." Uh, he had a very young Christian McBride, uh, Mal Grew, and Lewis Nash, and Rory Hargrove, Bill Pierce, and. I didn't know who any of those players were. I was like, "Kill him!" But Christian stuck out to me. Christian on this record, this particular record was on 18, but he was just great sound, great time. Not that I really knew what that meant. I just know it felt great. Right. So me and my mom, me and my mom, we went to a record store one day, and I just happened to go in the jazz section. Again, I didn't. The only jazz person I really knew outside of Antonio Hart that I really heard of was uh, uh, I think Charlie Parker and Miles Davis and Sonny Rollins, because my dad had me transcribing some of that stuff. So anyway, I go to the jazz section and I see this record with Christian McBride. It was his first record on Verve called Getting To It. Yeah, And I'm like, my, I, I was like, that's the guy who's on Antonio's record. Can I buy it? She said, yeah. So anyway, I'm looking at all these guys, you know, on that record, it was Joshua Redman, again, Rory Hargrove, Louis Nash, Cyrus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, wow, I don't know who any of these guys was. So I started doing research on them. I'm like, oh, you know, it's kept Going back a little bit, like yeah, versus Roy Hargrove played with Bobby Watson. I was like, "Who's Bobby Watson?" Nah, let me go check out. He played with Art Blakey. Oh, who's Art Blakey? Right. Same thing. Also on that track, I mean, on that same record, Christian did a bass, uh a bass trio tune. It, it was uh Ray Brown and Milt Hinton. Now, at the mm-hmm. time, without me knowing what they looked like, I thought Ray Brown and Milt Hinton were just some young dudes killing on bass. <laughs> you know, same thing. I was just like, "Who's the guy?" Ray Brown. And then i was like oh he played with dizzy gillespie he played with all these folks you know same thing i just kept going going back so that's what made me check out a lot of the music and i try to do a lot of that stuff for a lot of my students i'm like man i understand you want to play this which is totally fine but let's just check out a little bit of some early examples of funk or latin or whatever else and just see how they apply it to today right That's just my thing. I I never try to go back and say, let's check out the whole history of jazz. It's not really important to me.
0: How do you, you know, how do you balance that with your own music and your compositions? Because I think from like as musicians, a lot of us are just I I think from the perspective of like either, look, it's good music or it's bad music or it's it's just not my music. You know, Mm -hmm. like if it's killing, it's killing. Let's play it, you know but so many people on the outside looking in are, are really trying to be, are trying to label it, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, he is a jazz vibraphonist. Oh, he is playing R B. Oh, he, he's playing gospel. Like how do you work on getting past that? Just being like, man, I'm just writing what I'm writing and all of your influences coming into it. Cause I think a lot of musicians struggle with that too, while they're trying to find like what their identity is.
1: Yeah. I I'm, really i I don't really pay attention to the labels of it but it is what it is i've already been labeled like as that jazz guy yeah then the not the last record the last record i had was a christmas record but the one before that was called reincarnation where i totally just didn't do a bit of jazz i yeah. mean I, I i think on that whole record i put a swing feel in there for all of 60 seconds just so i would like <laughs> make the jazz players happy um and the record was good people liked it a lot but some people they was like "Nah, it's smooth jazz we can't really deal with it it was like yeah. "Why?" because the electric bass <laughs> so I just have to keep pushing along man um you know again I try to look at certain examples you know because this is something that I've been trying to figure out right now um you know I, I look at like like Miles Davis You know when we did his the uh sf jazz collective two years ago we did um the the music of sly stone the record stand, and uh miles davis in a silent way both of those records came out in 1969 so it was 50 year anniversary um but just reading that book about what miles was thinking at that point in time you know he was just coming out of that second great quintet with ron carter and those guys again he was on on stage wearing suits you know guys look sharp and nice and everything but miles wanted something different right you know he still had the uh the conk and shit you know the, the hair, hair straightener yeah. yeah 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 but the 70s were coming around you know 70s was sex and drugs and rock and roll jimmy Hendrix and all that stuff so he washed all that stuff out let me grow an afro let me ditch the suit Let's go get some platform heels and bell bottom pants. You know what was happening for the 70s? Let's appeal to a much younger crowd. Um, but it's still jazz. He just wasn't chain, chicken ain't, chicken chickadang. He just wasn't doing that anymore. Yeah. And so with me, it's, I, I love jazz music, but I realize, and I tell a lot of my students this, you know, and I get it, they're still young. It's, it's going to take them a while to break out of this. But jazz is the one big root of a tree. Right then out of that tree come thousands of branches. It can be hip hop, it can be R and B. You know, I just I like playing all types of music that's probably still has that still has some slight harmony to it. I'm not saying it has to be chord, 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 chord. It's just I just still like to move around a little bit, you know, uh with different rhythms, you know. That's you know, I just I just try to get all my students to do stuff like that. So hopefully, you know, they'll I'll just People would just look at me sometimes just as a musician and not as that guy who just wants to go visit every single jazz club on a circuit. I just wanna play places to make people feel good. That's my yeah. number one mission in, as a musician. you know, Sometimes I, I like to refer to myself as a musical healer versus a, as a jazz musician, something like that, because you know, we got people out here who work regular jobs and they, they come home with stress and everything else and they wanna go and hear some music our job is to entertain them, make them feel good. So.
0: I mean, in my opinion, that's, that's it. You know, like we, I think some people get so caught up in like a, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm playing a show. Like you need to come, like you need to, you need to shut up and you need to listen to me. And it's like, man, at the end of the day, like we're entertainers, Yeah. yeah. that's pay to come see it. And I just want them leaving in either at least as good of a mood as when they showed up, if not better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. like what what else uh what else can you but that's I don't know in my opinion that's everything that's like if you were a comedian if you were like a, a good cook if yep. you whatever you're just trying to add something positive to to someone
1: else's life there definitely definitely and that's again that's one of our jobs to do
0: well man what is uh well, what's one thing that you still want to do in music that you haven't done yet you know like for some cats are like man I want to do a big band record or someone else is like you know, I want to do like a Michael Jackson tribute or, or whatnot. Like, I'm curious with you because, like, you you check out a lot of stuff, and I think that that's that's hip and that's awesome because so many other people would be like, "Oh, well, I went to college, like I I played jazz, I studied jazz," I and mean, then they're like ashamed to be like, "But I also on the side, you know, check out so and so."
1: No, I have a lot of different projects that I want to do. Um, will I ever get to them? I don't know because <laughs> uh, I'm actually signed. You know, I'm with Mac Avenue Records. Yeah. And record labels, they have a tendency to. Uh, you know, we'll record a record every two years or something like that, but or every three years, but then you look at somebody like like Nicholas Payton, I like always going back to him. He's I mean, uh, he's a, one of my heroes. Um, He he will put out a new record like every year. Right. You know, and sometimes I wonder if that's probably overkill. I mean, not just for him. If any, I mean, if anybody did that, I don't know. You look at a lot of pop stars, you know, a lot of pop stars don't do stuff like that. They put out a record like once every eight years sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've really been leaning toward doing a Latin record. Yeah. Um, kind of like in the style of uh, not necessarily. I'm not thinking vibes because I've never been to like that vibe guy, vibraphone player to like check out multiple vibraphone players. Sure. You no, know, I, I already know what's going to happen if I do this, which is fine. I mean, they won't say I sound like him at all, but I'm just going to get thrown. I'm, I'm going to have a bunch of interviews come up and say, so tell us, what was your influence? Uh, how, how was Cal Jader influence on your latin? <laughs> and to be honest, I'm going to give my an honest answer. I don't have a single Cal Jader record. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that's going to come. Even if I decide to do an R&B record, I'm going to get that same question, but just take out Cal Jader and insert Rory Ayers. <laughs>
0: oh, man.
1: You know what I mean? It's, it's going to happen. That, that's just what happens, but that's totally fine. But, you know, I it's a, between the Latin record, I, uh, uh, R, another R&B record. And um, I, I actually want to tour the uh, that piece I was telling about, the lyric suite, you know, yeah. the string quartet and piano. Um, I actually would love to do a full symphony record of just like ballads like jazz quartet like a me piano bass and drums and then a full symphony but i'd need somebody to write for me for that one um and last but not least um i've been thinking about doing a death metal record
0: oh yeah what yeah. would you play on it
1: um uh, probably just vibes five maybe a little bit of drums maybe some keys cuz in my setups nowadays not necessarily drum so much but i do like to have like a keyboard next to me. yeah um but no, man, I it's like, there's a guy on my label. His name is Cameron Graves. We were talking. He was hipping me out to all these. Like, I listen to his records. His stuff is very jazz based with harmony, mm-hmm. but the sound of it is metal. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like I love playing just music in general that has harmony and things like that. But if it has some type of chordal structure, but it still has that beat that people can really like feel, I wow. like it. So, yeah. His stuff is like metal jazz, um, and then just listen to metal in general. Sometimes, like I listen to that group called Meshuga. Uh, okay. Uh, Black Sabbath. Yeah. You know, listen to certain groups like that, and just try to dissect what they're doing and maybe put it into my own music. And then at the same time, I, I really love. Like my wife jokes with me all the time. She was like, "Why do you always listen to uh, uh sexy slow jams?" <laughs> you Man, know.
0: How can you not? Like I'm playing D'Angelo on the regular. What are you That's talking so about?
1: I like that type of stuff. Like, I'm always playing D'Angelo and uh, Uh all these R&B singers. And, uh, you know, I I might do something like that. Like, I actually wrote a song similar to uh, something like, um, what was D'Angelo's song? Uh, Uh, How Does It Feel or Brown Sugar? How Does It Feel? I did a Mm -hmm. tune called In the Heat of the Night. just To be honest, it's just straight up about sex. (laughs) It has chordal structure to it. I recorded this tune on my record reincarnation and i also recorded a uh, larger larger version of it with the sf jazz collective again uh in the heat of the night when we recorded that song with the sf jazz collective at the end of the horn of uh, 2d section when we all play together we go right. back to the melody because i do a lot of pauses in there you can hear this woman say very nice and clear play it, baby. <laughs> Everybody started laughing and I left it in there on purpose because I wanted people to actually hear stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So. Man, it, that's one of the beautiful things of like, just live records in general, you know, hearing the, the feedback and whatnot and, and, and just the, the, the energy of the room, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I don't know, that's like the closest thing you can get to to being able to see some people play or that pass beforehand or you just haven't been able to get out there and like knowing like, how does that do? Because it's very different to play a studio versus playing a, a live gig. Things can go wrong on live gigs and it's comes out right somehow at the end of the day,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. Man, that's
0: I'm. all I can say is I'm stoked to start seeing you asking cats to come with like two bass pedals to gigs, and, well, man, gigs
1: to and. I just need the right venue to give me a chance. And I know there are venues out here. I just sometimes I'm just afraid to step out of my little bubble. But then other times I'm just like. Let's go. Let's do it. I don't care, <laughs> man.
0: And it's, it's uh as a younger musician, it's almost reassuring to hear you say that, you know, because when you go through school, there's so many times where it's uh there's like that balance again, you know, between like, Hey, you need to bop harder. You need to play bebop more. You need to do this more, you know, or you need to play more like Freddie Hubbard when maybe that's not a cat's thing, or you got to play more like McCoy Tyner and, you know, yeah. so it's, it's, it's cool to know too, that it's like, even Warren wolf and whatnot it still feels like that sometimes like man let me step outside of my bubble let me let me discover some of the other things you know
1: that's good man i just think i mean i think if if any student coming out of college not saying they had to be 100 percent of all-stars i think if they could just have a good well-rounded like idea of their instrument like you know for me it's like, I play vibes for the most part, but I also want to check, I want to check out like, cause I, you never know what situation you going to be in. Even if it's, if it's not your own band, it's like, I've checked out everything from ragtime to like their early swing with Lionel Hampton to, to, uh, like to, uh, post bot with Bobby Hutchison. Right. You know, for instance, like, I'm, a, let me tell you about the show I have that I tour, I call it the history of the vibes. Um, I pretty much go from the 40s up until the 70s, only because that's the pretty much what I'm finished. At, that's pretty much the full show. It's, it's time to call it. <laughs> but uh, I started, and like I, like I told you before, I don't really concentrate on vibraphone players a lot because I really don't follow vibraphone players. Yeah. But I know who they are. I, but you know, I just don't really, you know, people come up to me like, so what you think about Bobby Hutchinson and this record? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't have it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what I do in this program, I start and I play in the style of these guys. I start with Lionel Hampton. I play, you know, what are, what's the tune? Uh, uh, airmail special. Yeah. I'm just swinging right away. You know, drummer just, tick, 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 you know, chopping wood and stuff like that. Yeah. We go straight from him to uh, Milt Jackson. That's just like really blues heavy because of modern jazz quartet. Right. Was these somewhat classical. From there, I go to Bobby Hutchison. Very Martin. You know, again, I'm planning the styles. From there, I go to Cal Jada. That's the Latin side. After Cal Jada, I go to Chick Career. Well, I always say that. I go to Gary Burton. <laughs> like partnership between the two. So I wind up, I wind up playing material from Chick Corea. Right. Or you know, like a lot of fusion stuff. I, you typically play like uh, Captain Senior Mouse or and then I may decide it depending if I'm tired or not I'll play a ballad I'll play uh uh Crystal Silence okay and then I'll end with Roy Ayers and and that's when I start singing I go to Everybody Loves the Sunshine so all right. I'm covering all of that stuff demonstrating the, I can play jazz I'm playing all these changes but when I get down to Roy Ayers I'm just straight blues and out just playing phone you know so I try to tell all of my students. I'm like, man, just have a good understanding of everything that you possibly can play because you never know what the situation is going to be. You don't want to play a tune like everybody loves the sunshine. You come out playing bop. <laughs> you want to make it feel good to the to that person right here in the front row who has absolutely no understanding of harmony. Yeah, you know, but they do understand what what the most common person in music who doesn't understand anything about music. What they do understand is what what feels good and what sounds good and that's what I try to relate to my students you know all of these notes and things that we're teaching y'all yes it's great to know because we as educators music educators are listening to it but for the people out here who buying the ticket they don't know what all that shit means they they, yeah. they don't know what a sharp 11 sus for and blah 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 and all that stuff what they know is can we feel your energy your and your raw emotion to what you are playing? Nobody's going to come up to you and be like, ooh, that was killing. Now you hear that B-flat 713? Yeah. Nobody's going to say that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that'd be a little odd it's if they more, were. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. It's good to know it, but can you just make it feel good? You know? That's, yeah. that's all it is. Can you can, can I feel your spirit? Even if, even if it was at a traditional jazz show where you have people who really just love the music, you know? We still got to play the music with emotion and 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 feeling the soul in depth.
0: Yeah, I mean it's and that's the hard part, you know, is is to be able to learn everything and make sure that you can do the things like you have the the ability to do the things.
2: Yeah.
0: But then only do the things that are are gonna sound good, you know, or only do the things that like you actually hear and or want to do and or is appropriate to the music and not just force bop down every single tune that you've ever played, you know,
1: or yeah but that takes time, you know, it, yeah. a lot of people don't, and I, I can say I was not that person. I mean, I would just, me coming out of Berkeley, I would just like jazz all like all the way. I could play right. some R and B, but I was just like jazz all the way. Um, and it takes, it takes time. You know, it's, 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 a very special student to who comes out of school and who is like ready for all of this. It's not many, there are some, but you know, I can, Honestly, so that was not me. Yeah. (laughs) It took me a few years to get there.
0: Which is wild, though, because you if if my memory serves me right, you came out of school and like pretty quickly were playing with Rachel Price Mm -hmm. and Mulgrew, too. Right.
1: No, I'm saying I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Mine just wasn't there. Yeah. My mindset was just like, I just want to swing. I just want to play bebop and jazz. When I was at Berkeley, I mean, Berkeley is not a jazz school. Berkeley is a, you go there and you play all types of stuff. I mean, I was the pianist in the showcase. I said a show, a showcase. It, I mean, they have multiple piano players over the years, but one of the big, biggest programs at Berkeley is this thing called Singer Showcase, which is this is, kind of like uh, a college version of American Idol. Okay. And we going in there and I'm playing tunes uh, by, uh, what's the dude from uh, Aerosmith? What's the guy? What's Steven Tower? Uh, Steve yeah, 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 we're yeah. Playing that. We're playing um um Are you real in it? Steely Dan. <laughs> you know, we're we're playing all these tunes. So that's another lesson right there. I try to tell students. It's like sometimes a lot of those tunes, uh the lesson right there is if they if you happen to get a solo, you're not gonna always see G major seven, G major seven nine, G major seven sharp eleven. You may just see G major. What are you going to play over G major? You can't bop your way through that. Right. You know, right. We can, uh, play something that just, again, you got to make it feel good. And that was a lesson for me because sometimes, again, I played piano in that show. Other times I played, we need a vibe solo right here. Like a, a, a killer song that I remember we played was Asia. You know that? By who? That. Wayne Shorter, I, I think, took a solo in that when he recorded with them. But Asia, A-J, AJA. Yes. Yes, yeah. I do oh yeah that's a, that's a great tune um but you, you know it's just very important to learn that stuff so it, it was definitely in me but it's just i had this mindset just coming out of college play jazz play jazz 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 so i got with rachel price then i went i was with tim warfield to margaret miller to bobby watson to christian mcbride but then things started opening up when i got around um, in the middle of christian going into sf jazz collective especially sf jazz man those guys in there you know, we're like the, they're like the, uh, the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> everybody has a superpower in I've been, and it's like, I learned so much from them guys. It's you no, know, everything is not about swing and bebop.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, to just like, not to take away from everybody else, but then just to look at that and be like, okay, what do all these people bring to the table? And it's like, oh wow. The trumpet player there now is like Etienne Charles. And it's like, man, that is a whole other ball game. Definitely of music and rhythmic understanding that this cat's bringing to the table and and everything else, man.
1: Well, everybody. I mean, just I mean, since I've been in the band in the band, like for trumpet, you hear how ATN, his mindset before that, for me, was Sean Jones. So He brings. And before that, which was even crazier, was Avishai Cohen. And then, you know, you keep going. Miguel has been a fixture in the band, but Miguel, you never know what you want to get with Miguel, you know. Uh, same thing with Davi Sanchez and Robert Eubanks. It's like the four, between all of those, those three trumpet players and the horns, I was like, this is a lot of music. Uh, Ed Simon writes awesome music. Uh, the bass player, Matt Pimman, Kellen, Matt Brewer as well, and even yeah. Obed as a drummer. You don't find too many drummers writing great music. Obed will write some music, and we're just like, damn. So it's a lot of scuff, stuff that's coming together that just it opens you up a lot more. Yeah. just playing... The stuff that they teach you in college so maybe to jump back at one of your questions earlier what should change i think a lot of educators i'll I'll put myself in this even though i know i'm doing it but i'm still an educator uh i think a lot of educators what needs to change is you know the um the 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 tune list there's something else i was really going for but the tune list that's required you know all right for this year first year i mean i get it i totally get it why they should do that but i think eventually somewhere along the line if a student is in school for four years they need some some educators need to be honest with them and tell the students when you graduate this is the stuff you will not be playing right (laughs) you might play it a little bit you know depending on what circle you run in but for the most part you're going to be playing other stuff that's um and it doesn't have to be all crazy over the top you know over the top of people's heads but it just going to be reading different things different material but at the same time and this is just me talking out loud. if i was talking to my student it's all about what you want for your career again this is why i don't tell my students to don't learn this or do this or do this i ask them exactly when they come into the school what do you want to do yeah why are you here you tell me that, okay, we will work on that and we're gonna work on some other things that I hope that is going to progress with you your your journey in, in life. But you will never hear from me, oh, you're a saxophone player. All right, let's go all the way back to Ben Webster and Kobe <laughs> If we need to go there, we will. yeah. I, I like to know. what do you want and tell me? be honest. <laughs> and it's
0: gonna change. and that's cool. you yep. know like yep. hell. I when I started college, I knew like all I listened to, was like went Marcellus and Clark Terry, mm-hmm. and like now I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I, shit, I wish I could play like those two people, mm-hmm. but like now I'm listening to like Joshua Redman and Kenny Garrett and like Bob Reynolds, and it's like you know night and day between the cats, and that that's cool. Yeah, yeah. But so you know that that desire to be like, okay, I'm 18, who am I gonna play like? Who am I like? Why do I not sound like Sonny Stitt? What is wrong with me? It's yeah. like
1: that it takes it takes a while to get there. By the way, me and Bob Reynolds went to school together. He was a hell of a player man what the <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we used to play together all the time
0: <laughs> and i like i i've i notoriously have this thing when i came to school where i was like always behind everybody like my friends in like sophomore year they're like kenny garrett is a mother you know or like brian blade's fellowship band and then like two years later i'd be like have you guys heard of this album landmarks and they're like what the hell man like
2: yeah
0: we try to tell you about this already bob bob is killing brian's no, killing never- all those cats are killing
1: yeah no he's it was it was back in Berkeley, man. I used to watch uh, Walter Smith and Bob Reynolds, and it was a couple other guys. They used to always just you know just be going at it, <laughs> friendly friendly cutting contest. So.
0: yeah, but friendly cutting contest. Sitting there watching Walter Smith and Bob Reynolds play, and
1: yeah. man, now nah, we, we had we some great players back then, man. I remember Jeremy Pelt was there uh, again, Avishai Cohen, Miguel, um, Vicente Archer. Wayne the Uh yeah, we had a bunch of musicians at the time. So.
0: Man, that's Rash- wild. You know Rashawn Ross, pardon?
1: Rashawn Ross.
0: Oh, I do know Rashawn Ross. Rashawn Ross is
1: killing. Yeah, they that was my boy. We hang all the time at Berkeley, man. There's a horn section who they called the Regiment Horns. They uh, they toured with Justin Timberlake and all these other uh, pop stars in LA. Um, We were all at Berkeley. And we were just all, I mean, it wasn't even, we were just talking music all the time. We would just honestly be in like the, in that regiment horn, the trombone player's name is Kevin Williams. That's, he's one of my, my brothers for life. We were all just being hip hop playing at the time. We were playing Dreamcast <laughs> <laughs> all night. No, we had class at nine o'clock the next morning. We were like, man, fuck that. We got to, we got to play Soul Calibur tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> man, that was us. We were, we were sitting up. It was like me, Jalen, and his bass player in college. And we'd be alternating between playing spades or then going back and playing 2K. You know, and and seeing who could who could hold up, and if you could not hold up, you heard about it for the rest of the
1: next week. Same here, man. That yeah. man, that, was, that was Walter's game right there, man. Walter would play two K, but he would cheat. I mean, he not that he cheat. See, he would. This was two thousand around two thousand, and at that time, the hottest NBA team was the Lakers. So so Shaq was had 99 ratings
2: yeah yeah he could
1: not go in the hole against because walter was like I was like. <laughs> anyway that's all another video game discussion <laughs> so.
0: man well look i appreciate so much coming on and taking the time to talk and you know yeah. um, like i said we're we're looking forward to all of it the latin record the the death metal record the the all of it and just see you know what uh what warren wolf brings to the table next you know
1: definitely man something soon something very soon i'm just um uh my reincarnation record i was very satisfied about that but that came out a, a month before the pandemic and totally just wiped out everything so we got a few gigs with that next year but you know time to move on so
0: yeah we'll see it coming though
1: yes sir